Uh, good morning and welcome to Alpine Church. Uh, my name is Chris. I'm one of the teachers here and just really honored and excited to be with you here today. Uh, if you're joining us today for the first time, and we just want to say a special warm welcome to you. Uh, we're just so grateful that you decided to be with us here today. In fact, it's a really good time to start with us today uh, as we're starting a brand new series today, uh, and it's called The Pursuit. For those of you who have been a part of Alpine Church maybe for many years, uh, maybe uh, you have heard of this series, or maybe you have taken this series, or you've had this uh, discussion with someone in a small group, maybe a mentoring relationship. Uh, you know, if you are a part of Alpine, that you know that the pursuit is really uh, in our DNA, right? It's the ethos of our church. It's, it's kind of what we base our ministry around, and that's uh, really a desire for us to not only pursue God ourselves, but really to help many, many other people pursue God as well. And isn't it true that many of us here are on a different journey in life, right? In a room of this size, we're all, uh, we all come from different backgrounds. We all have different things going on in our life, right? We're all on a journey. In fact, I believe that we're all pursuing something. You know, maybe you're a student in the room and you're pursuing your education. Uh, maybe you are, uh, you know, in the career field and you're pursuing a, a great career. Maybe you're trying to be successful. Or you're pursuing to provide for your family. Maybe you're in a relationship and maybe that relationship is, is a dating relationship and you're looking forward to what the next step might be. Uh, maybe you're a, a family that has kids and you're praying every single day that God would uh, protect your kids. You know, we're all on this different journey. We're all in a different pursuit but we truly believe that all of these things that we've talked about are very important, but the most important thing that we can do in our lives, and I believe that this is so very true, and I believe that the Bible speaks very clearly about it, the most important thing that we can do in our life is to pursue a relationship with the living God. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to start off this series, and we're really going to kind of kick off this idea of the pursuit. And you know, I think for many of us, we all have different ideas of what faith, what religion might entail, what it might be. Maybe you grew up in a different church environment. Maybe you didn't even grow up in church at all, all right? So you have these ideas of what church might be. Maybe if you did grow up church, it's it's a list of do's and don'ts, right? It's rules and regulations. If you, if you live a certain way, then this is going to happen. Or if you don't live a certain way, then you're not worthy enough. Or maybe you're here today and you've tried just about everything. I mean, you've looked and you've sought after something that you thought might fulfill a void that you have in your heart. But you're here today because you haven't been able to find that. Well, I believe in you're in the right place and that God wants you to experience what you're looking for. And that's what we're really going to be covering in this series in the weeks to come. Uh, we're going to be talking about the pursuit, what it means to begin a relationship with God, uh, what that then means in our life, how it impacts everything about us, what we believe, what we think, what we say, what we do, all of those things, uh, relationships, families, it will impact every single thing. Before we jump in today, would you pray with me one more time? Lord Jesus, I pray that today, God, as we dig into your word, uh, that, that it wouldn't return void to us, that it would challenge us, that it would bring to the attention of how much you love and care about us, Lord God. Uh, would you speak to us just ever so clearly by the power of your spirit and through the power of your word. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, if you're taking uh, notes with us in the series, we're going to start out today uh, really kind of in the first topic of the Pursuit series. And the first thing that I want us to see here today is that God is for us. Very, very important that we understand that our God is for us. 
He's not against us. God is for his people. God is for, is for you. He's for me. And Jesus doesn't avoid those of us maybe who are broken, who are lost, or maybe we feel like we're far away from God. In fact, what he does is he pursues them. He seeks them out. You know, um, I was, many of, many, many of you may know me or have heard my story before, but if you haven't, um, I kind of grew up in a broken home. Um, I was a really, really troubled kid, a really stubborn kid. You can ask my mom. Uh, it started at a very, very young age. When I wouldn't get my way, what I would do is I would hold my breath until I would pass out. And so uh, it was this thing that I would do that if I didn't get my way, I think that I could manipulate my mom or dad into giving me something. And so it, it eventually got to be where they would just let me pass out all the time. They would just let me hold my breath and pass out. And, you know, I don't do that now, thank God. But over time, what had happened is that stubbornness only began to increase. Um, you know, again, broken family, my parents were divorced at a really young age and began to rebel a little bit. They actually remarried each other. Yeah, in seventh grade, well, then they got divorced again. Don't clap. Uh, <laughs> it just didn't work out for them, uh, believe it or not. Um, so they got divorced again when I was in, uh, in Bible college many year, years later. But there was a period where things got so bad, and I was such, so stubborn as a kid, so uh, far off from being obedient to my parents, that my, my mom wanted to set a boundary. And she said, Christopher, it's gotten to the point where you're out of control, and so here are the boundaries for you. And if you can't follow in these boundaries, you're going to have to find a new place to live. And so what I decided to do was manipulate the situation and say, oh, well, you're kicking me out then, right? So, so I actually was so stubborn that I left, and I, I left my home as a 17-year-old. But my mom continued to pray for me. She loved me. She cared for me. Uh, she prayed for me night and day, and she was actually able to lead me to Christ a couple of years later. You can clap about that. Yes, yes. Uh, so, so here's what I thought, man. Like, in the midst of all of that, no, no matter what I did, how bad I was, how stubborn I was, how many times I held my breath and passed out, my mom loved me enough, number one, to set boundaries, and number two, to continue to pray for me, because there's nothing that I could have done that would cause her to love me any less. And, you know, I, I grew up, or when I got married, I thought, man, this kid thing is going to be a breeze. No one's going to be as bad as me. Well, my first son is this spitting image of me. Uh, he, he doesn't actually hold his breath to pass out, but he does a lot of other things that remind me of, of myself. But I thought, man, this was going to be so easy, and, and it's been difficult and hard. It's hard to, to lead your kids to experience the grace and mercy of, of Jesus. It's hard to be loving all the time when things are, are difficult, right? I've got some amens in the room, right? It's, it's hard to do. But, but here is what I would say, much like my mom and the way I view my kids, there is nothing that my kids could do that would ever change the way I feel about them. I mean, I love them more than anything in this world, all three of them. Uh, my youngest, uh, my daughter, my kids aren't here, so I can tell you this. She's my favorite, but she also is the one that gave me all the grays. But there's nothing they could do that would change the way I feel about them. And I, and I share those kind of stories because I think we can relate to them. But here's what I want us to see today. Jesus Christ feels the same way about every single person in this room. He loves us more than we can even begin to imagine. And there is not one thing that we have done, or many things, or many, 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 many things, if you're like me, that would separate us from the love that he has for every single one of us. You know, I think what happens is, is we, we look at this and then we think, well, man, my sin is too egregious for God. I mean, the things that I've done, uh, like if you knew anything about my past, not a lot of good things, 
but the things that I have done, man, they definitely disqualify me from the love of God. And maybe you feel the same way. There's things that have happened in your life. There are things that you've done. Maybe it's a sin that you've committed. Maybe it's a relational problem. It could be so many different things. And we have this weight upon us that says, look, we didn't check the boxes or we're not good enough. There's no way God could love me. Right? Or maybe you're here and you grew up in, in, in religion, and you realize that, man, very quickly, I was able, un, unable to check the boxes of doing things right, right? I, I wasn't doing enough good things. I wasn't saying enough good things. I wasn't doing A through Z. And so on the outside, it might look like I was a little bit religious, but on the inside, I was dying. You know, I, I, I spoke to a lady here at the end of the service, and she said that she just came out of a faith where this message really hit home because she was like, I was that person, where I was checking off the boxes, like on the outside it looked like I was doing everything right, but on the inside I was dying in my sin, but I was afraid to say it. You know, there is nothing that we could ever do that would separate us from the love of God. Jesus' love for us goes beyond any sin, goes beyond even any good thing that we could do. He loves us regardless. You know, there's a story, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Mark chapter 2. A story that I just love, I'll, I'll read it with you. Um, it's the story of Levi the tax collector. Maybe you've heard this story, but it starts in verse 13. And it says this. It says, uh, Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. It says this, it says, later Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers, but when the, the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Here's what I love about this story. Here you have Jesus who is coming on the scene. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He left the comfort of heaven, stepped into this earth that is full of sin, and he sought out those who were sinners. And so Levi is a tax collector, and if you know anything about the history of the time, tax collectors were very frowned upon. They did a lot of very you know, bad things with other people's money. They were very deceitful, and so no one really liked them. They were viewed as the chief of sinners. And so Jesus comes on scene and he says, that's the perfect person for me. And you might be thinking, well, wait, what? And so what he says to him, he says, Levi, I want you to come be my disciple. And notice how quickly Levi leaves what he's doing. It's because everyone hates him, right? And he says, boom, I'm going to do something different. This is the guy that I've been hearing about who's been changing lives, who's been healing people. And so he leaves this and he does what any chief sinner would do. He throws a party, right? And in this party that he throws, he invites all the other tax collectors. He invites all the other disreputable sinners and so Jesus is eating and hanging out amongst all of these people. And, and as this is going on, and here's what I want us to see, is those that seemed like the religious elite, the Pharisees, those who were very well rehearsed in religion, who on the outside seemed like they had it all together, Jesus says something very interesting. He says this, when Jesus heard him call them these things, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And then he says this, and, and, and I love the way that Jesus teaches. He says, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know 
that they are sinners. You see what he's doing there? He's saying, for those of you who on the outside you think you have it all together, you're following all these laws, really what you're doing is you're living in hypocrisy, you're pointing fingers, and you're calling people scum. Instead of saying, look what Jesus is doing on scene, he's inviting everybody to the table to experience a life-changing relationship with the living God. Instead, what they're doing is saying, look how terrible they are. Look at the sinners that they are. And Jesus says, well, wait just a minute here. (laughs) What you need to understand is that that religiosity, that sin, could be viewed maybe as even greater. But what he says is, I am here. Jesus shocked them of the time. He loved the broken and the desolate. He loved those that didn't have it all together. He loved those who knew that they were broken, who knew that they were sinners. And he did everything that he could to get their attention. And how ironic is it that those who seemed religious or who spoke religiously were the ones that Jesus was bringing to attention, that they were far away from him. The question is, are we willing to come to him in our brokenness, in our situation, in our sin, in our shame, in our righteousness? Are we willing to come to him? And my hope would be this, that everyone would say yes. Why? Because very clearly, and I mean, we'll just get into some some basic scripture here. Romans 3.23 says that every single one of us have sinned, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is not one person, past, present, and future, except for Jesus Christ, who is both man and God, who have lived without sin. So every single one of us are disqualified because of our sin. But as we read who Jesus was reaching out to, all we have to do is recognize that sin in us and we can be made right with God. You see, if we stop at Romans 3.23, we think, well, that's very grievous, right? God, God, we're separated from God, there's a chasm because of our sin, but we have to keep reading. And if we read in verse 24, we clearly see that Jesus did something about it. He sought his people out. He sought the broken. He sought the lost. He seeks you and he seeks me. He says, the Apostle Paul says this in 24, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life by shedding his blood. You see, every single one of us have this chasm between God But God loves us so much that he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to fix that chasm. And he does that by paying the ultimate penalty. He gave his life for you and for me so that we could be in relationship with him. You see, we're not too far from God. In fact, it's just the opposite. He's doing everything he can to get our attention so that we would change from our ways and we would turn to him. And that really leads us to our our next point is this, is that God wants to be found by us. You know, God desires to be in relationship with us. He wants to be found by us. And and he does everything that he can. In fact, he has pursued us before we even started pursuing him. And so all we have to do is take the next step. Wherever we are in our journey is to take the next step in our pursuit of God. You know, I I don't know, maybe you've felt this way before. Um, I've felt like this at times where it kind of seems like life is just by chance and circumstance, right? Have you ever felt this way? Like things don't go your way or you just barely missed out on something. You're like, man, I, I, I wish I just would have had this. Or maybe there's that person that's always getting blessed, right? Or they're always getting ahead in life and you're just thinking, why can't I get a little bit of that love, right? Or, or maybe it's when the life ups and downs come in life. You know, God, why, 
couldn't you have done something different? Like if you were God, if you're all-powerful and you're almighty, couldn't you have just done something different? Couldn't you have done something different in my relationship? Couldn't you have done something uh, in this circumstance or this situation? And we go on in life and we, we play this game with God. But here's what I want us to know. Here is what I think is so important. We see this all throughout Scripture. Before we even thought about who God was, He was pursuing us. Do you understand that? Before we even knew the concept of God, He was pursuing us. In fact, He knew everything about us. You know, we we read about this in the life of of David. You guys know the story of, of, of David. And we read about it in Psalm chapter 139, and he says this in verse 16. He says, you saw me before I was even born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. You know, we, we, we read about the story of David, and man, talk about a guy who's been through the ups and downs in life. Talk about a guy who it seems like chance and circumstance, right? Talk about a guy who, who was a forgotten shepherd boy at some point and then became king. Like, that's pretty cool. But when he was a king, man, his life was full of highs and lows. He did a lot of really, really good things. And, man, he did a lot of really, really bad, sinful things. But he began to understand that God was in every single season. I mean, I can only imagine David as he's running for his life from Saul, as he's hiding in a cave, as, as they are coming after him with his life. I can only begin to imagine as he, as he sent someone to kill one of his greatest soldiers because he, he was doing something that he shouldn't have done with that soldier's wife. Like all of these things that he's going through, but he began to realize that God, even in the most difficult of seasons, even in the most sinful seasons, God is in the midst of those things, and he has the power and the knowledge to use all of those things for our good, to draw our attention to him. You know, I, I begin to think of like how powerful God is. I mean, there's just, I mean, maybe a couple hundred of us in this room. He knows every moment of our every single day for the rest of our lives. He knows every hair on our head. He knows all of the decisions that we're going to make because he is God. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. And then if you begin to think, well, well wait a minute, we have like six or, six or seven billion people in the world. Can you begin to understand the power and the majesty of this God that we serve and that God uses everything, every situation and every circumstance to draw us nearer to him? That's how much he loves you and me. Now, if, you, if you've been questioning the love of God and the goodness of God, man, you just need to know how much he loves you. And all we have to do is say, Yes, regardless of the situation or the circumstance that I'm going in, listen, there are painful situations that have happened. God can use even our brokenness to turn us near to him. God can use even sinful situations. Even though he is without sin, he is holy and righteous, he can use those things to get our attention. And that is what God wants to do. God is pursuing every single one of us, and he wants us to say yes and to take the next step and to begin a relationship with him. You know, think, think about this today. It's not by chance you're here today in this room. You know, maybe it was someone who invited you on a whim to come to church. I don't think that's by chance. You know, maybe you're here today because you've been trying to, like, figure out a situation or a sin in your life or a situation, and you've done just about everything you can. You realize, well, I don't have enough, <laughs> and so I need to go to church 
and see if God can do something about it. I think you're in the right place. It's the right start. You know, maybe you're here today and you've, you've experienced the love and the mercy and the tenderheartedness and the grace of God, and there's no other place that you'd rather be on a Sunday than worshiping Him in His presence. It's not by chance that God has worked in every single one of our lives to pursue us and even get us to this point here today. You know, we had a young man uh, who was just here at the end of last service, and uh, he was invited to, to this service by someone at the yard cell. He had all these questions, and, and I thought, man, if there wasn't anybody else in this room who didn't need to hear this message, God brought him by an invite in the back of that room to hear about the goodness of God. You see, friends, that, that is who he is. That is what he does. He wants to be in relationship with every single one of us. Would we take the next step? whatever that might be in our life. You know, here's the promise. If we respond to him, if we say yes, if we seek God with our whole hearts, it says in Jeremiah chapter 29, we will find him. You see, friends, God isn't some faraway, uninterested deity who's just up there and we're down here and is not engaged in our life. No, God knows every single thing about us. He knows every situation. He knows every relationship. He knows every decision. He is interested in us. And the living God, the one who spoke heaven and earth into existence by just his voice, wants to be in a personal relationship with you and with me. Would we say yes to him today? How? How do we do that? Again, very, very simply, for those of you who maybe have been in church, you've heard of the Romans Road, right? This is, the, this is it. It shows us how then do we pursue him in Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with him, and it is by openly declaring through your faith that you are saved. How do we be made right with God? It's simple. It's faith. <laughs> it's faith. This young man back there today was saying all of these things. I'm, I'm a good person. You know, I feel like there's guardian angels around me. I feel like I've had all of these things that have kind of led me here. And I said, well, well, buddy, the only thing that saves you is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. Not a good thing that we could done that makes us right before God. Nothing. Our sin disqualifies us. But by faith in Jesus Christ, on his life, death, and resurrection, we can be made right with God and we can start a personal relationship with him. And when we do, it changes everything. That really leads us to our last point today. Jesus, I believe, Jesus wants to, to give us. He wants us to experience a life to the full, a life that goes so far beyond what the world can offer us. In fact, when, when that does happen, it changes us. When we pursue God, when we invite him into our life, it changes not only our, our eternity. The Bible says what we believe about Jesus determines where we'll spend eternity. But it also, it changes every moment of our every life. It changes every relationship. It, it changes the way we view things, our, our marriages, our, our kids, our money, our jobs. It changes the way we view everything. Instead, instead of making life all about us, we make it all about him and what he wants to do through us. You know, I think the enemy does everything in his power to get us to, to, to be far away from God. I think he even uses religion to get us to feel like we're not good enough, that we're not qualified enough, that God couldn't possibly love us because of what we've done. He will use even, Satan will even use religion <laughs> to get us to be far away from God. And he does that because he knows that if we're far from God, it leads to death. Remember in John 10.10, 10, 
where we read this, the thief, which is the enemy, or Satan, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. You see, that's the main thing. That's what he's trying to do. He wants to defeat us. He wants us far from God. Because listen, the Bible says in Romans 6.23, we've all sinned, 3.23, 6.23, the wage of that sin is death. Sin, all sin leads to death. Without Jesus, it leads to death. And that's exactly where the enemy wants us. But Jesus comes, friends. Jesus comes that that we may have life, that if we experience him, we may have life and life to the, the full. You know, I think when it comes to sin, there's a season of sin that's enticing. It's fun. It feels good. But eventually that sin will lead to death. And that's not me. That's what the Bible has to say. It will always lead to death. Jesus wants us to experience a whole new kind of freedom and grace and mercy in our lives. And when we do, we can then experience what we're all looking for, and that's life, a full life. So very quickly, let's end today with being just real practical. Many of you, again, who have been a part of Alpine for some time, you've, you've heard of the, the, the pursuit of God or the full circle follower pursuit of God. And it's very simple in this image. We start, we start in this pursuit of God in our relationship with Jesus. What we believe about Jesus Christ matters. In fact, it's the only thing that'll make us right before God one day when we stand face to face with him. If we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that we will spend eternity in the presence of God. If we have not, we will spend eternity apart from him in hell. And so it's very important that what we believe about Jesus matters. Again, uh, Romans 3.22 kind of really leads to this, that it's for every single one of us. We're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, nothing else. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. This is for every single one of us. What we believe about Jesus matters. We're going to cover this uh, in, in the, the weeks to come. So once we make a decision to, to trust in Jesus, we then can move into this idea about living to honor God. You see, it's not about doing everything I can to be made right before God, and then the rest works itself out. No, it's trusting in Jesus that he did what no one could do, which is pay the penalty of, uh, for our, our, our sin by his death on the cross. But then when we accept that, he then takes residence in us. The Bible says that we become a new creation in, in 1 Corinthians I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, this means that any of us who belong to Christ has become a new creation. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And this is, this is so powerful, and, and this could be a sermon in itself. But the Bible says that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we die to our old self and we become born again. We become a new creation. And what happens is we take on the righteousness and the goodness of God. In fact, the Bible says that he takes residence in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we have the ability, the same power that rose Jesus from from the grave now lives in us so that we have the power to live to honor him in our lives, in our relationships, and, and all of those things. And so we live to honor God, trust Jesus, honor God. And you see, I think what happens is many of us, we get to this point and we say, yep, this is good. Right, I put my faith in Jesus, now my relationship is, is between me and him. I'm going to do everything I can to live to honor him, and even when I fall short, he's going to be gracious and merci- merciful to me, thank God. But it's, it becomes one-sided, me and God. It's all about me. And all those things are important. We should grow in our spiritual life. But that is not where it ends. In fact, one of the last things that Jesus said before he ascended into heaven, he, he spoke to his disciples, he said this, he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's not just about us and God. It's about God then using us to help other people pursue him. The God of heaven and earth wants to use us to point people to him. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news. This isn't an option. This is a command. This is Jesus saying that this is what it takes to follow after me. Go and make disciples of all nations. So you start by trusting in Jesus. You live to honor him in your everyday life. And then you take the next step. And oftentimes this is the hardest thing. It's hard to tell people about Jesus. It's hard to, tell, uh, to have those conversations. You don't want to drive wedges. You don't want to rock the boat, right? But, but here's the thing. Just by your life and your love and who you are and what you've experienced in Jesus can point people to him. It can help people pursue him. And so again, uh, 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 we'll cover all of these in the, the weeks to come. But I want to end with this. Wherever you are on your journey in this room today, and every single one of us is on a different part of that journey Wherever you are on that journey, God wants you to take the next step in your pursuit of him. Maybe today you're here and you're hearing about Jesus for the very first time. I would love to pray with you and show you just how easy it is to start a relationship with a God who loves you more than you could even begin to love yourself. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're now moving into this honoring God phase and, and you're struggling. Maybe you're struggling with a sin or a relationship, or maybe there's something you need to give up, you need to give to God. Maybe there's something that you need to do in your family with your parents and obedience. I don't know what it might be, but you can take the next step in living to honor God. And we have people that can support you. Small group, mentoring relationships, get to to youth group young people. We have people that can help you take the next step in honoring God. And lastly, maybe most difficult for all of us, maybe it's stepping out in your faith and saying, Jesus, what you've done in my life has been so amazing and so dramatic, I want people to experience the same kind of life, the life that I've experienced. And it's time for you to start making disciples. We also have ways that we can help you get in, get, get in that part of your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you, God, for the simplicity of Scripture. God, I thank you that you make it, you lay it out so clear for us. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that this wouldn't just be something that we've heard again, or maybe this is just something that we hear in, in passing. But instead, God, would we understand the weight of this, that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for us. And and out of your mercy and love and kindness for us, if we respond, we can begin a relationship with you, and it will change everything about us, and then it it can impact other people in the world. God, help us to to see that and to do that in our everyday lives. Jesus, I I ask, wherever wherever we're at in our step or in our journey, would, would would you help us to take the next step in that? We love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen.